This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. They pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for their first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 11 Clothing on Instagram. You could also find them or email them at line11clothing at yahoo.com. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, a podcast for hardworking fathers. We recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important, but through understanding their unique role and gaining the knowledge and skills to be great fathers can transform and impact future generations. Today, I want to welcome to the show Kyle Comforty. He's an Orange County Fire Authority firefighter slash paramedic. He has been in the first responder industry going on 12 years and currently works as a firefighter for the OCFA. Kyle got married in October of 2020, and one month later in November, he had a baby. Now, Kyle's expecting another one. Congratulations, by the way, Kyle. Can I have you give our listeners a brief history of your family of origin, brother? I'd appreciate that. Uh, First off, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I love what you're doing, and happy and and proud to be a part of it. Um, Let's see here. My my, uh, heritage is sort of a conglomerate of ethnicities. My grand, my great-grandfather came over from Italy um, on my dad's side. Uh, not much of a connection with the, his mother. My, my dad sort of grew up without parents. Um, I think he was borderline going to be in an orphanage uh, before he got sent out to California from Arkansas to California to live with his dad, who at the time had a, a complete other family, um, which is when he met my mom. They've been together since they were uh, about 14, 15 years old. Um, They went to the same high school together. And uh, my mom is definitely the rock and the glue of our family. Um, You know, she she makes sure that we're getting our family outings and whenever there's any type of, you know, arguments or, or anything like that, she's quick to get them resolved and keep us all all on the straight and narrow. Um, Her parents are, her grandparents came from Mexico and her her mother's parents are another conglomerate, Swedish, Norwegian. And um, so for Mm. that, for that purposes, I'm sort of a mutt. I got it all. Um, Yeah. And then I, I grew up in a small town in Napomo. Uh, Napomo, California. At the time, it was 
uh, population about 1,200. Um, closest grocery store was about 20 minutes away, 20, 30 minutes away. It was an agriculture, uh, livestock uh, town, very small. Um, a lot of the people I grew up with, I'm still still friends with today. and um, So it's pretty, pretty cool to have that small town upbringing um, and have those you know, those morals and principles, you know, instilled at that age. And, you know, living sort of at that small of a community, we, we really did have a, an emphasis in, you know, that blue-collar labor, hard work. My dad was a general contractor. He worked, you know, a lot of times 12 hours a day. Um, you know, I didn't see much of him, you know, during the common work week, but he, he made sure that, you know, we'd get to camping outings, and he was a big music fan, so we'd go to concerts and stuff like that. But uh, usually he was out out before I woke up and home, you know, before my mom put us to bed. Um, you know, and then I, when I got to be probably about six or seven, my dad was dragging me to the, to the job sites because it was cheaper to take me with him than uh, get daycare. So I was hauling buckets of concrete and thin set and doing all that stuff at a young age on top of, uh, you know, my chores around the house, taking care of all of our, our farm animals, chickens, ducks, peacocks, you know, all that, all that good stuff mm-hmm. early in the morning. So I could, before I could go play with my friends. Um, and then, uh, we moved, we moved down to the Orange County area for high school. So I spent four years here and, Honestly, really didn't like it much and couldn't wait to get back up to the Pomo. So as soon as I graduated, I, I made my way back up up to the central coast, uh, San Luis Obispo area. And uh, that's where I started my fire career. And, you know, the meat and potatoes of it anyways, the bulk of it. And uh, sort of been a nomad for the last eight years until I got picked up with Orange County Fire. Um, mm-hmm. So now we, we're sort of placing roots and starting a family, like you said, and taking it from there day by day. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting story to see how you grew up, you know, in, in a rural area where everyone kind of knew everybody. I mean, that's, I think that's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? That's something you don't really see as much these days. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that I thought was interesting that you said was that your mother was the glue of the family. Can you elaborate a little bit about that, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, you know, my being that my dad had, uh, you know, didn't have parents, I don't think he really, you know, I don't want to say he was a bad parent, mm-hmm. um, but we all we all do the best that we can, you know, and as, I feel like as I get older and now that I have kids, I still feel like I'm a kid sometimes. And um, so she really rationalized a lot of his shortfallings um, just because he had no, no compass, no bearing on, you know, on really how to be a father or how to be a dad and all, all given circumstances. I think he did a pretty good job. Um, but we had, just like every family does, we have our drama and our falling outs. And, uh, you know, she, because we had all these long drives to get to, and practices, grocery stores. You know, I grew up listening to uh, Rush Limbaugh and Dr. Laura. That's like the only two programs we got in that small town, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
everyone called my mom for advice, and she was always the one that, you know, she just cut through the BS and, and gave it to people, you know, straight and gave them that, sometimes that uh, advice that was hard to hear and, and people didn't want to hear, but it was the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm, Again, mm-hmm. being in a small town, you have those principles and, and morals and, you know, um, adherence to them. Mm-hmm. So she she practiced that in our, in our family structure as well. I mean, if she's giving advice to all these other people, she's she's definitely holding it down under her roof as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she just made sure that we were always getting together with with family, um, making sure we're visiting grandparents, making sure we're you know having the birthday celebrations with all the families and and really keeping that family structure on the front line, you know, and mm-hmm. the forefront of, of everything, uh, which, which is hard to do. And, and, you know, now that I live in a city, it's, it's hard to find time for that kind of stuff, you know, and as I get older, I, I realize how important it, it is and what she was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and it's, 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 it's awesome to see how strong your mother was where, two partners even though you know your father was uh, i'd hate to say the word but he was kind of not present you know he was present in body but not in mind i guess if if that's Mm -hmm. correct to say um i witnessed that in my own family of origin as well and there's countless dudes out there that all say the same thing i mean it's it's like a an mo right we all had these fathers who we loved who for lack of better words, we just didn't understand them and they didn't understand their role, how important it was in raising us. You know, they, they did the best they could. And I liken that to say that one of our past guests said that your father could only give you what he had. He couldn't give you something he never received. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think, uh, mm-hmm. you're, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt your, your last guest, uh, the podcast, uh, I forget his name, he escapes me, but, um, you know, I think uh, when we talk about, you know, our roles as as a father or as the male in the household, it's like, I think in, in previous generations, it was being the provider. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it was more like he, he, uh, he worked his, his tail off to provide for his family which is an admirable thing, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Um, I think the most admirable thing, um, and he worked hard to do that. You know, I think as, as we progress as a society, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it was what your last guest said, and it really struck home for me, is that there's more to being a father and being, you know, present for your family than just paying the bills. Yes, you know, it's a big, it's a big part of it. Obviously we need our food, our water, our, our shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think as, as we advance as a society, we start to just see how, how things are, are connected at an even, you know, more emotional and interpersonal level, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I know. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, definitely it's, it's, we're evolving as, as people and, we're starting to see now that our generations we're starting to see the damage that was inflicted right if you really think about it um you know we come from a culture where 
they tell us, and I say this over and over again, we grew up the way where they told you, you know, if you got the wind knocked out of you, get up, knock the dirt off yourself and get back in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are never taught to express our emotions and we suppress it. And when men suppress, it's different than women. Women, when they suppress stuff, they turn depressed. Okay. For us, when we suppress things, it turns into anger. And I think that's where society is. I think that's why you have a lot of young men out there, a lot of young fathers who are angry because they don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to express their emotions to say, hey, man, right now I'm pissed off. I need to go for a walk. I need to get away from you. You're not understanding me. Instead, we explode. And the people that get the brunt of that are our families. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's, that sums up my dad to a T, mm -hmm. um, you know, and parts of, parts of me as well. You know, sometimes I, I tell my wife, I'm like, I, you just need to leave me alone. Like I just, and I'll, like you said, I'll go for a walk or something and she'll sort of like henpeck a little bit. Like she wants to try to fix it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I can't even, I'm so mad. I can't even like really think about what it is that's actually bothering me, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's not you, it's me. But just, so just let me, let me have my space and let me debrief and shake it off for a minute. And then we'll, we'll re we'll readdress it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's hard. It's a hard thing for a woman to understand. Cause like you said, we're just wired differently. You mm -hmm. know, it's like my, I think like if I could take one thing from my parents, it's like my dad just always wanted, you know, the, the affirmation that he was, mm. you know, he wanted to be recognized that he was how all the work that he was putting in for the family. Yes. You know, he, he wanted that, like that affirmation where my mom wanted affection, mm -hmm. you know, which are like two different wants and needs on a emotional level. You know, he, for him, it's like, that's how he knew that he was doing good mm -hmm. as if he was appreciated, you know, for, yep. for his work. And I, you know, as we get older, I start, I start seeing more and more of, of myself and him and, you know, or him and me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, our world just gets bigger. You know, you start to, to see, and like I said before, sometimes I, I feel like I'm still a kid. Mm -hmm. and it's crazy to have kids. Like, I still feel like, like I want to go out and, you know, go camping and do this and do that, do the other. It's like our, our parents were doing the best they could with what they had and they're kids raising kids too. You know? mm -hmm. And I think it's important to keep that in mind too, you know, cause a lot of people tend to just blame their parents, blame their parents. You know, I know I did for a while, you know what I mean? I, I went to that stage where mm -hmm. it was like, well, you did this to me, you know, this is the reason why I'm like this, you know, but at one point in time, you got to kind of grow up and be like, okay, I had choices too. I made choices and you did the best you could. And now it's time for me to make the choices that I need to make to be able to not raise children that are not fit for society. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's, uh, it's important to recognize the good and the bad. And that leads me to my next question. Looking back with your relationship with your father, the good and the bad, what did he teach you about being a father that you could, that you're possibly going to share with your children, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he ever had like a 
a formal instruction, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, but as far as like the good and the bad, like any relationship, you have your ups and downs, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. and, um, I think, uh, a lot of my family structure, you know, what, what my parents, there's a lot that happened behind the scenes that me and my, my sister just didn't, weren't privy to, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure they had their conversations on how they wanted to raise us and, and their goals for us. Um, and, you know, it's like the things that my dad did do, I think he did unintentionally or inadvertently, you know, waking me up. And like, I remember he, he was so brash. Like he would just come into my room <laughs> at, you know, 4.35 in the morning, flip on the lights and just pull all the covers off me and throw them on the floor, like all in one fell swoop. He's like, let's get up. We're going mm-hmm. to work. And I was a little kid, you know, I'm like, ah, it's cool. I want to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he, he put a work ethic into me that I, I just don't see a lot of anymore. Um, and learning to do things I didn't want to do, you know, it's like looking back on it, I'm like, God, you're sort of a brat, you know, mm-hmm. you know, do, you know, he had to really like work hard to get me, get me there, you know, and I think at, at a certain point in my life, it became second nature, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he, he taught me a skill set. He's a general contractor. You know, I learned, I learned a lot about building construction, what's helped me in my fire career. I've learned a lot about, you know, laying concrete, doing ceramic tile, um, you know, doing windows, finished carpentry. So he, he taught me a skill set and, um, you know, I think that uh, one of his clients asked me, he's like, oh, are you going to gonna do what your dad does for a living? And I always cracked my dad up because I was like five or six. I'm like, I'll know how to, but I won't have to, you know? Yeah. Because um, I, didn't, I didn't like it, honestly. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we're outdoors in the, in the sun and, you know, doing manual labor. As a kid, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and then it's sort of funny that I, that I go into the fire service, you know, and I, a mm-hmm. lot of why I went into the fire service is because of days like those. I watched my dad struggle. Like I watched him have his high highs and low lows. Mm-hmm. And and I know that when money got tight, that's when my parents started arguing and when things became more volatile around the house. And, you know, so I, I wanted to be a fireman because I watched these, these kids around me that, you know, their dads had boats and the toys, but their dads were always taking on vacations and were always there with their kids and never, never seemed to worry about finances, which we all do, you know, mm-hmm. now that I'm older, you know, um, but that's, it sort of pushed me into being a firefighter because I wanted that stability, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted, and now I enjoy that blue collar work. Like, I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. Yes. Like there's, there's no way you're going to find me in a cubicle or you know, sitting indoors all day. Like mm-hmm. I, I need to be outside and doing and doing that type of work. So, like I said, I did. I don't think anything was like a, a blatant, you know, lesson as much as it was a uh, by osmosis. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. <laughs> as far as the bad stuff, it's like you just sort of watch. Kids are super re- receptive, and mm-hmm. I more learned like what I didn't want to do. You know, like I, I don't want to like yell at my wife and you know like you said that we, we sort of have these these things that manifest into anger like I don't I don't want that toxicity I don't 
I would like, I strive to communicate better. I strive to really, you know, like I said, when I feel, I can feel it coming. I'm like, okay, time out. You just got like, just let me walk this off. Let me be on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a kid sort of, sort of brings that out. I feel like it, you know, especially like when they're, when he's crying in the middle of the night, like it's, it's so easy to get frustrated and just get angry because you're like, especially being a paramedic, like I'm just used to fixing things and being a firefighter in general. I'm like, like, what, what is your malfunction? Like, what are you, what are you doing right now? Like, what, what's the problem? Your diapers changed. You've eaten, you've slept, like, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's when it starts coming. Yeah. And especially being a man, I mean, we go into problem solving right away. Absolutely. You know, we try Mm -hmm. to fix things and when we can't fix it, well, we get frustrated and that, you know, is compounded when we can't fix it, then we automatically start thinking to ourselves, I'm a failure. Why can't I fix this? I can stop someone from bleeding to death. I can run into a, a burning building. I can, um, you know, parallel two feeders together. Why can't I fix this? You know what I mean? It's so true. It's so true. Like those things that just seem like everyday work. Mm-hmm. And you have a screaming, a screaming kid and you're like, what the heck right now? <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he's so ruling me. He's just owning me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's important that as dads, we, we realize that our unique ability is to the good health and well-being of our, our children and family, right? That's, that's what we bring to the table other than being a provider and protector, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, how do you ensure that that above statement is practiced in your home now? I think your last guest brought it up as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, I have an unrelenting love and mm-hmm. support for my wife. Um, she is, she herself is sort of an orphan. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her mom, her dad bailed when she was three. Her mom, um, when she was nine. Um, you know, so through our relationship, I've always been. You know, I, there's no way I'm ever going to betray your trust or no way I will, I will ever leave you. There's, I am I am your rock, your anchor. Um, and I think that's important as my kid gets older to see that love and to see that, re, that relationship and that it's something that's actually obtainable. Um, you know, he's just with, with social media and TV and movies and everything, it's like, you know, it's hard growing up, you know, for kids to conceptualize what's real and what's not, what's obtainable and what's not, you know, what's what's actually in the wheelhouse of of, of having. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I first and foremost, like, I want him to know that, you know, that she's she's my queen, for lack of better words, and that that uh, we're we're a tight a tight unit, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to play the good cop, bad cop. I don't want to have my wife, you know, saying no to this while I'm saying yes. I'm like, we're a unified front and we're a team. I mm-hmm. think that's a big part of it. Um, again, and, you know, again, the part of why I want to become a fireman and do all that is the job security, but also, you know, the, the access to health care. You know, it's like, thank mm-hmm. the Lord our kid's healthy, you know, but... You know, given when things come up, it's like I want to be there to make sure that they're they're squared away and everything that they could possibly need, they're going to have. 
And I'd say the, the part that takes the most work mm-hmm. on my end and make sure that, that these things are practiced or staying healthy. Um, yes. My job is a physical job, and and uh, I actually, when I started with OCFA, I was about 250 pounds. And, you know, I'm in an academy, and I remember our, our lead instructor, uh, solid, solid man, uh, but just razor sharp and very intimidating. You know, he just, like, looked at me. He's like, you guys came into this academy out of shape. He, like, looked at me. He's like, some of you are just plain fat. (laughs) (laughs) And I never thought I was, you know. Like, I'm humping hoes up and down hills in the hottest places in California on wildland fires. Like, I thought, I'm like, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I got there, and it was a rude awakening. I was like, holy cow. But our, our organization puts a huge emphasis on staying healthy and and being fit. Mm-hmm. It minimizes injuries. It you know it's going to protect you from getting cancer. You know all the all the things that we're susceptible to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of of reinforcing in the household too. Is especially my wife being a nurse. It's like she's exposed to a lot of different stuff too. It's like we need to stay healthy and make sure that we have uh, some longevity and are there for our kids mm-hmm. when they need it. You know. Um, and passing that on to them, I was never really taught about dieting or, you know, my, we always ate, we always ate well, like we weren't very fast food oriented, but you know, I learned more about dieting and exercise and health, you know, being 30 something years old when I got hired at this agency than I ever knew. Yeah. Um, so keeping that, keeping that in line. And then again, teaching, teaching survival skills and, making sure they do well in school. I think, you know, school education is a huge part, and there's more to it than just school. I think school at one point was, you know, was organized to be a, teach you how to survive an adult life. Uh-huh. Um, you know, now it's, a, it's very academic-based, which is great too. Um, but there needs to be a outside instruction, as well as far as teaching survival skills. You know, there's a lot of great organizations like Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts and stuff like that that can sort of get some of those basics done. Um, we have a Fire Explorer program at our station uh, in Westminster, and all the kids come out there and, and learn some, you know, first aid, they learn firefighting skills and stuff. So we have junior lifeguard programs at the lifeguard departments down here. Just keep them engaged in, in learning, you know? Yeah. And and just being that role model for them. I think that's really awesome that you and your wife both are taking care of yourselves. And that's going to just transpire into their lives. You know what I mean? I, I see that with, with my family. You know what I mean? Like, I work out nonstop. You know what I mean? And being a lineman, too, is a very, very physical job as well. Um, so... Our kids see that. They see us going on runs, you know what I mean? We, they grew up with us. Every single one of our children, we had a stroller. It was one of those Jeep strollers. And that sucker, we finally retired it with our last kid. But, man, that thing had thousands of miles on it, dude. I mean, we were just yeah. constantly running. We almost ran the tires off that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it's important to continue that in your life. Like, for me... I got so busy with the bustle of life that we stopped doing the things that were fun in, in our family. You know what I mean? We, we stopped it because why? Because I was on the road, I was working out of town and stuff like that. And 
when you stop doing the things that you started together, you start losing those things. So that's Absolutely. just FYI for you, you know what I mean? Just to kind of, you know, because I know you got a young family and stuff like that. Don't stop doing the things that you do as a family. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's what it's, it's all about, really, right? Is, yes. you know, that they say it so much, it's almost cliche, but your work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, without, without, like, consciously paying attention to it, that'll flip really easy before you even know it, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. I had a, a friend of mine, he always says, how you obtain something is how you continue how did, uh, i'm trying to think how he put it it's such a great quote um how you obtain something is how you retain something so don't stop doing the things that you did in the beginning and that goes with your wife that goes with your children that goes with your career you know because I mean? when you start a career you know i don't know if it's for you like that but for me once you conquer something and you do it it's like eh, okay what's next what's next we oh, want yeah. the next thing you know what i mean and yeah, the, the chase the chase is always more exciting than exactly than, uh, than like obtaining it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once you once you get it, you're sort of doomed not to not to want it anymore or to take it for granted, you know. Absolutely. Exactly. You get complacent, and the next thing you know, you're you know what I mean. You start messing stuff up. You know what I mean, for lack of better words. And I I think that's that's some important information that someone needs to hear out there. You know what I mean. Um. With your new child in the way, Kyle, I wanted to ask you, do you feel that you're a little bit more prepared for the second one? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, right. not at all. Um, you know, uh, we, when we were pregnant the first time, you know, like it was pretty funny. I'm sitting around the, the fire station table and, you know, she has my wife doesn't feel good. She sends me like the picture of like the stick with the pink line. I'm like, and we've had that for years, you know, like that thing's probably expired. So she sent me another picture with like four of them. And the, the guys are at the table just start laughing. They're like, oh man, you're like, she's fully like pregnant, dude. Like get your head around it. Cause here it comes. I'm like, anyways, they, they start telling me all these things. Like, you know, the, the one thing that was said all the time, like, oh man, like your life is over, but, but, but it's good. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> everybody say that right off the, off the bat. And, and then when you have a kid and then you're like, I totally understand what they were saying, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's over in the way that I didn't realize like how selfish or, you know, self-centered, like mm-hmm. I always got to do what I wanted, what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And, you know, having a kid, it, it just changes things. So in that aspect, like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of ready and I understand the, you need a regiment, you, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff with feeding and naps and all that stuff. But having two at one time, I'm, my sister has twins and she's a champ. I can't, <laughs> I'm watching her with these two kids and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And, uh, and then God's like, okay, well, here you go. Let's see. Here's another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's definitely, uh, it's definitely different. Like you said, um, it sparks a change and you can never go back to the way things were because it's never going to be the same. You know what I mean? But that could be good. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And children definitely will show you. And I agree with you a hundred percent. 
show you how selfish you are, you know? And, um, we, we definitely got to diet ourselves. You know what I mean? We definitely daily got to die to what we want as far as, um, our selfish desires. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. they need us, you know, it, it's a, it's a humbling, um, experience. You know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now you have, I, like, I love when like my brother, he just, it's funny. And I think I used to do the same thing when I was younger, but when I had a dog, he's like, yeah, I have a dog. And it, you know, it's like having a kid. I'm like, no, not even remotely in the same wheelhouse. Like, <laughs> but like, it's cute. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, it's like having having some someone, a human being, depend on you. And I mean, not just for like, I mean, we're talking about being a father, and it's like there's so much that goes into it. It's like there's 360 degrees of influence that you have on on this human being. Mm-hmm. And it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, and where your dog loves you no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They have no choice. They have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feed me. I love you. Cool. Okay. Pet me a few times. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to transition to the topic that we we're going to be talking about today, Kyle. Um, we talked about neglect. Okay. Now, let me give you the definition. According to the Webster's Dictionary, neglect is to fail to care for properly or the state or fact of being uncared for. Okay. As Portia Usher defines, chronic child neglect is an ongoing serious pattern of deprivation of a child's basic physical, developmental, and emotional needs for healthy growth and development. Child neglect is more prevalent and difficult to resolve than any forms of child abuse. Okay. And she goes on to talk about four types of neglect. All right. Now, I wanted to quote uh, Stephen Poulter. You you talked about him earlier. That was our, our, our past guest. And he wrote that book, The Shame Factor. He's a super, super awesome dude. For those who haven't read his book or checked out that podcast, I highly recommend it. Now, to quote what he said, he said, Children crave the support of a loving parent so they can securely explore their world. Children deeply resent when they become a parent to their parents. Okay? And I thought that quote was interesting because a lot of times when, as, as, and we're touching base, you know, with that earlier, when our parents are lost in their own minds because they're going through whatever, whatever that's troubling them at work, you know, stress of money, whatever, I think we tend to dive into ourselves and kind of segregate and separate. And when that happens, the child feels like they need to, I mean, they're basically are neglected for lack of better words, you know what I mean? And then they feel like they got to be a parent and then they grow up thinking, well, you know, I'm a parent to my parents and you know what I mean? They grow up with all kinds of issues, needless to say. So what do you think about that above quote? Uh, I mean, it's a, that's a lot to unpack. And <laughs> I did just, just like we said before is we all, and I think just as human beings, we always remember the bad things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the good, the good things come and, you know, it's like very rarely are they so good that they're like cemented into us. Mm-hmm. But the bad things, like they they cut they cut the deepest and the most uh, easily recalled. And I think that I mean for kids, it's like you. There's just so much that that can be considered neglect. Like I just remember growing up, I'm like, 
you know, my dad doesn't understand me and he doesn't even really care to like try to figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like when I have kids, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to understand it because it's so easy, you know? Mm-hmm. But like you said, when we become adults, like we don't, we're not thinking like children, you know, we're, we have so much other stuff going through our heads and, and, um, you know, the, the attention mm-hmm. that you can give your kids is paramount, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that your, that guy, that last podcast, mm-hmm. I, like, like I told you before, I started taking notes on it cause it, it was so informative. You know, he talked about that gold brick and shame, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, it, it honestly like made me think like I should sit down and write a letter to my boy in case something happens to me at work and I don't come home one day. Wow. You know, cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at him and he is, he's solid gold. Like I look at him like he is the most beautiful, perfect thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you know, I hope to, I hope to minimize how much mud I put on that gold brick in his lifetime. You know, yeah, um, and I think that's the name of the game. Really, is we're all we're all human and have our our shortfalls, but hmm. you know, neglect neglect is can be so so minor. You know, like I used to be a server at restaurants, and how they give all oh, they give their kids iPads to keep them quiet. You know, it's like well, mm-hmm. have your kids put away the iPad and and have a conversation with the adults at the table and get that, you know, get that a communication thing going. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's a, a very minor form, but it's there. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of times it's, uh, once again, it goes back to the parents and what they're dealing with internally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they're trying to find, um, you know, um, whatever their identity through social media, posting pictures of themselves, trying to, you know, because their spouse isn't giving them some kind of love or whatever, whatever they may be doing, you know what I mean? Um, and then they use social, you know, they, they use these devices to take care of their children. And that, that is, I agree with you. That's a form of neglect. You know what I mean? But it falls back to the parents and what they're dealing with. I believe. Well, the, the last, Part of that, uh, I think it was uh, children deeply resent when they become a parent to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I could totally, I mean, on, on one hand, I could totally see that. You know, it's like my dad is super hard of hearing because he worked around saws and never wore ear protection. You know, yeah. before, before we had these OSHA mandates that so you have to, you know, have you know, hearing, hearing protection and gloves and all the, all these regulations. Like, so he's, he's really hard of hearing. He didn't, uh, he didn't hear that he was driving. We have a Volkswagen bus that's uh you know, stick shift. Mm-hmm. He didn't hear He wasn't hearing that it needed to shift. He ended up blowing the, blowing the engine. Oh, you know, wow. it's like, yeah. And then, you know, he's like, Oh, it's so expensive to maintain. I'm like, well, it would have been cheaper if you didn't blow up the engine. <laughs> and so, but, you know, here I am, I'm, you know, what, 30 years younger. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm sort of like giving them a, a lesson in ownership and responsibility. And it, it, it's comical. But with that being said, there's also a side of it. You know, someone told me I was doing a firearms training um, 
and this guy told me, he's like, you know, just remember, cause he, he knew I had a, a baby boy that was like brand new, and he's like, just remember, you're, you're a child twice, mm-hmm. and you're a man once. Wow. And his thing was, is yeah, is eventually your kids are going to have to take care of you because you're going to regress, and you're going to need to be cared for. Mm-hmm. He's like, so make sure you do it right, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I think about I think about that too. It's like you know, it's like eventually my dad's going to get to a point where where maybe I am the parent, mm-hmm. you know, and we all cognitively will be there at one point, you know, and that's uh, the importance of being a father and having your family structure. Mm-hmm. And I see I see that a lot in my line of work where, you know, I go into convalescent homes and there's just these people that are just left there. No one comes and sees them. No, you know, no one mm-hmm. takes care of them. And it's sad, you know, it's like... Hmm. No, it is. It's 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 very very heartbreaking. Uh, when I was in the military, because I was a, I was a combat medic, um, I had to do a clinical, where I had to go to the VA, and no one wanted to go to the VA because you know this is before they had the beds that would turn you. So we had to physically turn some of these these veterans. You know what I mean? To to keep them, you know what I mean, moving so they wouldn't get these bad decubitus mm-hmm. ulcers. <sighs> so. That was back in the day, like I said, you know, before Netflix and everything else. And, uh, dude, it was, it was sad. I mean, yeah, it, it hits close to home, you know. Yeah. I mean, we never want to think about that stage of our lives, and especially, I mean, especially with the military. I mean, and and fire, which isn't even remotely the same as the military. I don't want to be disingenuous, but mm-hmm. it's like we never want to think about the hard realities of of death and of what could happen or injury you know mm-hmm. sometimes you know death would be the best thing living with some of the injuries that you guys have um you know mm-hmm. those are things you just don't want to, you don't really want to face that reality and just it's better tucked away in the subconscious and not not think about it you know it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to go face those things yeah, it is. It it definitely is. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be running to a, you know, a, a burning down building, or you don't want to be doing, you know, hot work and thinking about your arms getting blown off. You know what I mean? When you're in between phases or mm-hmm. whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, you definitely gotta keep your brain clipped in. You know what I mean? And that goes with everything. That means don't be bringing your home life to work, and don't be bringing work back to your home life as well. You know. Um. In your profession, Kyle, as a first responder, how have you seen, like, neglect play out in, like, the family dynamic? Like, what have you seen out there besides the, you know, the old age home and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I mean, as far as the kids go, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so much that firemen see that, and that no one else sees. I mean, not even police officers. I mean, we get, we're in people's homes, you know, on a daily basis and really have a behind the, the scenes, behind the curtain, like vantage point. There's so much that, you know, the educational part, it's just like some of these low income areas, their, their economic circumstances just don't give them the, the opportunities, you know, um, and different, 
different ethnicities handle it differently than others, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with COVID, you know, these, these kids are out of school. You go to some, some communities and they're being home taught on laptops and iPads. And then you go to other communities that are lower income and, you know, they're out playing with their friends and not really doing any type of like formal education, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's, there's a part of that and is, is it neglect or is it lack of means? You know, it's like, I, I don't want to like judge these parents on, you know, are they trying or are they not? I'm only there for a brief time. You know, I can only have that one snapshot. Um, but I think the education part has, has a play on I think that goes into the nature versus nurture too a little bit. And, you know, what, what really trips me out sometimes is we'll, we're there on a 911 call and, the kids are like laying on the couch and never once look up for their iPad. Hmm. Like we're there giving medical treatments to their family members or stuff. And they're just, they don't even say hi or nothing, nothing. Just sit there on their iPads and they're just totally locked in on what they're doing. And I'm unaware that, you know, they know we're there, but they're just not engaged with the strangers that are in their house and the condition of the, the family members, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's that part of it, and there's part of it sometimes, like, we, our, uh, our agency is huge on the customer service aspect of, of what we do, mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're taught pretty early that, you know, sometimes, especially when kids are involved, we have more than one patient. Our parents are patients as well, um, and sometimes, I mean, the parents are, are m- more emotionally distraught than the kids are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids kids see that and they pick up on it, you know. Um, so sometimes we have to, you know, walk and hold the hand of the parents just as much as we do the kids to get to just even the, the temperature of the call out and make sure that they're taken care of as much as the kids, you know. Um, and then another part I think would be you know, there's sometimes there's a disconnect between the, the father and the mothers when it comes to the care of the child. Sometimes, you know, fathers are writing it off like it's not a big deal or sometimes, and the mother thinks it's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a big, it, what it was, I think like the kid, the kid broke his finger and the mom was like, a pinky finger, mom was like freaking out in hysterics and the dad's just like, you know. Yeah, no big deal. Oh, no big deal. And really, like, in my mind, I'm sort of sitting there like, okay, you have broken fingers, and, you know, it isn't a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But, I'm like, like, I just, and again, I just have to look at it from my own family standpoint. Like, I would be, you know, talking to my wife, like, you know, walking her through it. You know, it's it's okay. Like, look, like, and I do it as a medic. Like, look, he has plenty of blood flow to, to the tip of his finger, you know, he's talking to us. He's he's crying. He's okay. He's like, what they're gonna do is reset it, and I'm I'm telling her what's gonna happen, and she's calming down. And it's like part of that the 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 dad needs to do too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he needs. You know, a lot of times we we forget that again. There's more than one patient, even in our family life. Yes. You know, it's like um, and so you see stuff like that, and you know, um, I mean, there's also a big a big thing right now is uh child obesity and mm-hmm. 
and physical physical abuse. You know, it's like I see a lot of a lot of overweight children that um, you know just don't have healthy eating eating habits. And again, I think that goes back to is it nature or nurture, and a lot of it has to do with the economics of the area, um, mm-hmm. you know. So, and just it, a ton goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that 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 the obesity that you're talking about that's that's, you know, I think that would be stored under physical neglect, right? And that's the failure mm-hmm. to provide the necessary food, the healthy food, the clothing, and the shelter, or inappropriate or lack of supervision. You know, I think a lot of the times parents you know for these obese children you know other than them having thyroid or whatever underlying conditions you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think they just placate to their kids i think they just give them what they want just well, to kind of you know what i mean it's yeah, easier it that way like going back to going back to my my little boy when he's like screaming bloody murder i'm like i'll do anything to make it stop mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> Hey, tell me what you want. Use your words. You know, and he's only seven months old. He just screams. Mm-hmm. But I can, you know, now that I am a parent, like I can totally see where these kids are acting out and the parents just for lack of knowledge or wisdom or, you know, whatever, like just, just give their kids what they want. Just be to make, you know, to make them stop, you know, complaining, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that that plays a huge part in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I agree with you too, and I think a lot of times parents, you know what I mean that 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 can fall under educational neglect, right? Because 100%. when they fail to educate a child on the reasons why they can't get the things they want, like you know, let's let's go back to obesity. Okay, mm-hmm. so when you fail to educate your child that hey, you can't be eating five cheesecakes because you're gonna turn huge. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and. It, the, it, kids looking at him like why why you know i want to know why because i know as a as a child for me even now with my own daughter she always wants to know why why <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it, i mean at least the other probably at least the emotional issues as well i mean kids are kids are brutal mm-hmm. you know it's like i i grew up with uh with half of my my left leg was longer than my right leg by four inches by this big you know, lift on my shoe, and and I just remember that like, kids were just like brutally honest, and you know, I, at the time there wasn't like the term of bullying, mm-hmm. you know, it just it was what it was. It was it was playground talk, and you know, it's like you know, uh, eat or be eaten type of mentality, I guess, as a kid. So I mean, these kids that are that are getting overweight, like they're gonna be school age if they're not already, and that's gonna play to that their confidence levels in in school and in life you know it's like you learn those those things early as a child mm-hmm. um you know there's a trickle down effect to it I, I absolutely believe for sure absolutely and, and when we're emotionally neglecting our the, the needs of our children you know what i mean and not providing mm-hmm. that social support you know or, or permitting the child to to learn from their mistakes and stuff like that you know when we're always coddling you know there's a book out there called coddling the american mind or something like that i forgot one of my friends told me about it anyhow um you know when we're constantly coddling our children and we're constantly not letting them learn from the mistakes and we're, we're not 
mimicking and showing them how to deal with mistakes as ourselves, you know, as adults, you know, when we constantly are, are passing the buck and we're not there to say, hey, you know what, I made a mistake, I owned up to it, I'm an adult. This is how a healthy person deals with mistakes, right? Then they're not going to uh, grow up being able to do that. But you know what I mean? Y- yeah, and I mean, hey, uh, while you're saying that, it like, jumped out at me. I, you know, I had a a young man who's probably in his twenties. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend broke up with him. Um, na- he was out in the street screaming, yelling. Neighbors called nine one one. We show up, and I, mm-hmm. he had you know, lacerations all over his body. And, and I don't know if he was doing it to himself or what, but man, did he have just like a, just the worst, worst attitude, zero respect for, for authority, you know? Mm-hmm. And here we are, like, we're, we're really, like I said, my agency is huge on customer service. We're going to bend over backwards for you to make sure that you are treated with the utmost professionalism and make sure that everything that you want, you're taken care of. You know, it's not just medical treatment. There's a bedside manner and a, a you know, for lack of better words, a product we're delivering. Mm-hmm. But this kid was just out of it. We were sitting on scene. I call his parents and his parents are in, you know, some out of town somewhere. Oh, he does this, you know, like just take him, just take him to the hospital. He does this. I'm like, Wow. You know, it's like your kids, your kids acting out, you know, mm-hmm. it's like he, and for a parent to just like sweep it under the rug and uh, yeah, this happens, just, just take him to the hospital. I'm like, sort of sad, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that is emotional neglect. This poor, this poor kid and he is angry. Mm-hmm. He is mad at the world. I mean, here we are, the police and, and fire just really trying to take care of this kid and keep him out of jail mm-hmm. you know he's he could have went to jail and we're just trying to make sure that he's, he's mentally and, and physically taken care of and his parents were just like yeah whatever you know it's that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. I mean kids even calling 911 for attention we show up sometimes and the kid the parents don't even know that 911 was called you know and then you then you sort of got to like negotiate those waters a little bit too and make sure that the Mm-hmm. The parents aren't gonna like retaliate when we leave. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, you know, well, no, he was he was punched in the stomach, and if you know, if you've ever been had a wind knocked out of you, it can be scary. You know, so you're trying to like mm-hmm. play that aspect of it too, so something doesn't happen when we leave. But mm-hmm. and I, and I'm sure too, just going into those situations, I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of play the devil's advocate, I guess guess there, because in a sense you're reading the child you're making sure there's no physical neglect and or whatever right and making sure that the parents aren't like you know abusing this kid and at the same token you're trying to you know give your product like you said you know you're you're administering help and stuff like that but at the same time you're kind of taking mental notes i guess right to say hey okay well this kid's acting like this you know what's really going on you know what i mean and you know I don't know if they train you for yeah. that as as a firefighter they, or anything they like that. Hundred percent do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, that's a a huge um, emphasis on that. And there's all kinds of you mm-hmm. know signs and symptoms that we look for that that mm-hmm. could give uh, us clues that there is some kind of abuse going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that comes into 
you know, I take it personally, but, you know, we are, we are those children's advocates, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, anytime that there's even a remote hint and there's, there's things that you can look for that, that can sort of point you in that direction. I mean, there's obviously the, the bad ones where there's no, mm-hmm. you know, no doubt about it, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we are trained on, on, uh, cluing into some of those subtle signs and, you know, lack of eye contact and different stages of, of healing on bruises and wounds on the, on the child, different types of patterns of bruising. Um, mm-hmm. so we, we can pretty much get a good grasp on that mm-hmm. without just by visually looking with that being said, I mean, the hardest part of, of the medical side of our job is going into every single call with an open mind and a clean slate. Mm. You know, a part of us needs to draw on our wisdom and on our experience levels, but another part is not to, you know, get complacent and and take something for granted, mm-hmm. you know? No, absolutely. And, uh, Kyle, with that being said, I mean, you're a busy guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you got a new family coming in, you know, you you deal with all these crazy issues and stuff like that. I wanted to get your take on how do you personally struggle with neglect with your busy schedule, like as far as with yourself, you know, do you, do you feel like being busy that you sometimes neglect yourself in the whole situation? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, having a child exposes a lot of your blind spots. Mm-hmm. Like we, like we said before, um, you know, it, it really opened my eyes on, on my time management mm-hmm. and especially, uh, I run a side business. So I'm, sometimes I wonder like, am I putting too much time into, into this? Is it, is the juice really worth the squeeze? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. is this, is this really a profitable endeavor and should I continue doing it? Cause it does take the time away from my family mm-hmm. on top of my career that already does that as well. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as like, I, I give you huge kudos that you're able to find time to go work out and go, you know, go stay healthy. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the, my biggest neglect is being up all night, you know, running calls and then coming home. And sometimes, sometimes I'm just tired. My heart, you know, I know if there's a will, there's a way. You know, but and I I need to find a, some way to make that happen. But mm-hmm. but uh, I would say my my physical exercise and sleep patterns are probably the biggest part of of my of me not taking care of myself and it it affecting my family for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a part of being aware, and that's what we we preach here at the show. Up that is is having that self awareness to know when you've reached your limit to be able to withdraw and recharge right um with that being said kyle uh thank you so much for coming on to this show and being a part of it and and just being a show up dad and sharing all your your great insights and what you are doing to to be intentional committed and responsible with your kids and congratulations on your your child that's coming up brother um you're doing thank you thank you great things and i just kind of wanted to end with this if you've witnessed childhood neglect please contact 1-800-422-4453, push one, and talk to a hotline counselor. That's the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline, and it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Kyle, once again, dude, thank you for coming on, and we appreciate you, and uh, thank you for being a show-up dad, brother. 
Yeah, thank you for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely.